0: It's that time of year again when our Facebook page is filled with pictures of children holding up placards with their grade, their school, their favorite subject, and what they want to be when they grow up. Some of those pictures are of our own grands, and most of us love seeing them head off to school, even preschool. It's a milestone that we celebrate, but also one that comes with fears and concerns. I'm Emily Morgan. And
1: I'm Mike Morgan.
0: And in this episode of The Grand Life, we take you back to December of last year when we talked to Chrissy Cox, a veteran preschool teacher who shares with us how children and parents have changed over the years and what she's seeing in the classroom. It may be that our grands are getting smarter, but are they growing in important other ways? One of the reasons we're airing this episode again is that Mike and I have two grands who are heading into preschool and daycare this year. One for the first time and one in another city that's new to him. So it's going to be all new to them, both of them, and to their parents. And I'm starting to feel a little nervous about it. What about you, Mike? Mike?
1: Well, I guess, you know, realistically, nothing's ever perfect. Most of these caregivers and these teachers are well-intended. They want the best for these little ones, but they are sometimes stretched beyond their resources, and so not every child may get their best efforts. Uh, Our our, uh, adult children, their parents are usually very involved, and that goes a long way. But as long as they are depending on daycare and preschools and schools, you sort of have to hope a little bit that uh, that everybody involved gets lucky.
0: Yeah, I think I'll feel better when I've actually been to their preschool or their daycare. Um, most of the time we've been able to kind of visit or see where they're going to school. And right now we just haven't seen either of those. So as we travel in the next few months, we will get a chance to either meet their teachers or whatever, and I think that will help. But you know, as a support system, Mike. My- you and I can do nothing much but sit back and listen to our adult children and be cheerleaders and hope that our grands don't cry too much about the transition or don't pick up bad habits from other kids because, you know, our grands would never do it's anything always terrible. The, it's, it's always, always the, the other, other kids. kid's fault.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. You know, and also hoping that they have amazing teachers like Mrs. Cox. As you listen to what she has to say about the changes she's seeing, think about ways you can be of help as a grandparent for either your preschool or your school-aged children, and don't just think about it. Maybe get out there and do it. We wanted to remind you about the upcoming Grandparents Academy offering that is taking place on Grandparents Week starting the week of September 10th. It's a free event that will take place all week. And Mike and I are participating, talking about how comparing our own grandparenting with other grandparents or our adult children's other set of grandparents is a real joy stealer. Make sure you register by going to GrandparentsAcademy.com and register with your email. There will be tons of speakers and lots to learn.
1: Okay, now on to Chrissy Cox.
0: Hi, Chrissy. It's so good to talk with you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, I worked at the elementary school where you work now, and I saw firsthand what a great teacher you are. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been teaching, and in what capacity?
2: Okay, sure. Um, I am the mom of three. I have a almost sixteen year old, a twelve year old, and a four year old. Um, and I have been in the early education world for over twenty years um, in some capacity, uh, whether that be a private child care or now in a public preschool setting.
0: Well, I remember when your youngest was born. So that's crazy
2: <laughs> that she's already four. She
0: <laughs> is. Time really flies. And in fact, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so you've seen a lot of trends. You've been in preschool or working with children for a long time now. And I'm wondering if you might share with us the trends you're seeing in child development with your preschoolers
2: these days. What what things are changing, in your opinion? I've seen a lot of change over the past several years, um, but none so dramatic as I've seen this year. Mm. Um, This school year has been very, very different in the sense of um, just social, emotional readiness, school readiness, following directions, taking direction from adults, the ability to focus and stay on task, um, or even the... I guess, the need to see to do so in Mm. school. Um, You know, like I said, we've seen a trend over the past several years where things have started to change, but this year it's glaringly different. Wow. So let me think about this. How old are the children you're
0: dealing with right now?
2: They're three to five right now.
0: Okay. So they are
2: COVID baby. I mean, were they COVID babies? Yes. Yes. So my daughter's in that age group. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we went into lockdown, she was 18 months. Okay. So yes, right in that the middle of that. Hmm. Do you think that has anything to do with it? You know, we talk about this often and I do think it has some effect. I do think that parents were trying to figure out how to work from home and parent their children at home and, and things like that. But I also think a bigger, I guess, cause... Is just society in general, hmm. you know, the access to screens and social media and just the lack of conversation and engagement that parents have with their children now compared to, you know, even 10, 15, 20 years ago is very different.
1: So were you seeing some of this before uh, 2020? Sure.
2: Yes. I mean, there was definitely a, a change, but. I, it, maybe it's the combination of both COVID and, you know, just a societal change. But yes, this year is definitely been a struggle. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. And I'm sorry for that. You know, in some ways, it, even
0: with my own grandchildren who are preschoolers, they seem to be smarter than they were before. Like they they seem to have skills that I'm like, wow. And and I'll say, yeah. how do they know that? How do they know um, their numbers so well? And it's like, well, they watch number blocks on TV or, you know, whatever, wherever they're getting it. But maybe not as skilled socially. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Yes, I would totally agree. Or are they smarter? I mean, I, I don't know. To an extent, yes. I think the the rote memorization and the um, ability to transfer knowledge such as that, is has increased. But the ability to do things like um, one-to-one correspondence when they're counting, you know, slowing down and putting a number to each object or things that they would have to experience in real life has definitely shifted. So... I think when you look at it and you you know they're relaying to you letters, numbers, shapes, colors, sure, they could have learned that from a show, but they don't have necessarily real world occasion for those skills.
0: Hmm. yeah, what about behaviorally like what are you seeing behaviorally different than what you saw several years ago?
2: So it's I'm not sure if it's a lack of consequences that have come or Um, I I can't put my finger on it, but things such as, um, my first couple of weeks of school, I actually had to write a letter to my parents this year and say, I need your help. Mm. Um, This is the first year I've ever had to do this because I had students who would come in and just break things in the classroom with no remorse, no you know concern for what's going to happen next and having conversations with them a lot of them would say it's fine just buy a new one oh, um yikes so having those conversations with parents of i'm you know i can't go buy new ones and when i sent that letter to parents a lot of them said can i replace things for you um so getting more to that root cause behaviorally of mm-hmm you know, we take care of our things. We There are consequences if we don't take care of them. Um, and on the other side of it, following directions, I've found this year specifically that children just don't listen when I give direction. There is no real um, engagement or they don't feel like there is a consequence for not listening. So while I don't think it's necessarily defiance It's just lack of listening to me when I'm talking. And I've had this conversation with a lot of teachers in the hallway that I work in because they're seeing a lot of the same trend. I
0: wondered if you're familiar with the whole concept and the philosophy of gentle parenting. Have you heard about
2: that? I have, yes.
0: Okay, so this new trend And gentle parenting spends a lot of effort on treating the internal thinking of a child, like what's going on inside of them, and not so much on external behavior like you're talking about. And that Mm -hmm. takes a lot of time and effort. I mean, I watch my own children parenting my grandchildren, and they spend a lot of time and effort with them um, trying to figure out what the child's feeling, what kind of fear they have, what kind of emotions they're feeling, but... You know, instead of just the authoritatively disciplining, like, my generation, which is, like, there's a consequence and it's immediate. Um, But I wonder, when you're working with preschoolers, how do you have the time to address each child individually? You can't, like, hold their hands, have them look in your eyes, talk to them, and, and, you know, like, have a little conversation when you've got all these other children
2: to deal with. Right. So I do think it's important to talk to each child and talk through the behaviors and the consequences and have them understand why why there's a consequence and why it's unacceptable mm-hmm. uh, whatever the behavior may be. Um however, I do think that it's difficult when parents are parenting that way and then they come to my classroom and I I have 21 students. So right. I I can't take all of that time to reason through and have a conversation with them about, you know, specifically giving to the root cause, especially because I don't think they always understand. Yes. I do think there are sometimes is an, an impulsivity to behaviors and it's our job to teach them, you know, there are consequences to that impulsivity or there are ramifications that come from that. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily how they feel because. They didn't do it out of a feeling sometimes.
0: Mm, interesting. You know, I've heard parents say that they think their children do better at school than at home. They're like, well, when I send them to school, they're much better. And when they're at home, they're they're crazy and they're all over the place. But, you
2: know, do, what do you think about that? Do you think they, do You think? are you seeing that? I do think the majority of students are better at school. I think there is a, a respect um you know they do understand that they're not my mom and dad. We don't live with them twenty four seven. We don't mm-hmm. see their ins and outs. And I also think that they kind of, for lack of better terms, keep it together uh, while they're with us, and then have that letdown when they get home. Of this is a safe place, mm-hmm. um, and, and not all children. But I think those children who do have the respect and the understanding that school is a place that I go to learn and follow directions. Interesting. I, I I wondered if
0: that's always been the case. Like, children tend to respect teachers in a way that they don't necessarily respect their parents. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> hmm. That's that's fascinating. Even I mean, even going back, I think I remember, you know, my teachers made me nervous. Sometimes I was like, oh, they're, they're such an authority. And even when kids get to be in, like, junior high and high school – I I remember saying to my mom, well, Mrs. Brown says this, so it has to be true. You know, I believed (laughs) whatever the teacher told me. (laughs) So there is that. So there's that interesting um, component. It is interesting also to say that you're seeing in children, they're not even listening to you, which is a sign of respect. That they would listen. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yes, and like I said, I don't think it's a defiant not listening. Mm-hmm. It's just a a lack of engagement or a situation where maybe they've never had to listen to an adult giving directions or mm-hmm. follow through with that. Maybe it's been a situation where an adult has given directions and they don't immediately respond, so the adult just goes and does for them, mm-hmm. um, which can also be detrimental.
0: Yeah. And and when you were talking about social media, I mean, we're all guilty of this. We're all kind of in our phone or we're all doing something and we're not paying attention to what somebody's saying to us. And I have, I've seen this with my own grandchildren where I'm trying to talk to them about something and they're engaged in something on social media. They're at a tablet or something and they just ignore because they're just uh-huh. like, and, and like you said, it's not that they're bad. It's that they're engaged and focused on something else and they don't uh-huh. They don't listen because they don't think that's that. I don't know. Do they think that's not that important or because a tablet's so much more engaging? I think
2: that the moving parts on the screen are just so much more engaging.
0: Yeah. I saw that you wrote that on a Facebook post about the social media thing, and it is a concern, I imagine. Um, when you're working with preschoolers, are they involved on a tablet or a device when they're at preschool?
2: Very minimally. Um, We use them for education purposes. I do have a classroom set of iPads. Um, I would say maybe two to three times a week for maybe five minutes each time. Um, And it's just a matter of because it is so relevant in higher grades. I want them to have exposure to be able to navigate the educational platforms that we're using in our district. Um, it is not a free-for-all. It's not we play games every day for 10 minutes or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a an educational tool in our classroom.
0: Yeah, I wonder in general if teachers are pushing back on using devices and stuff in their classrooms, I don't know, because I'm I'm not there anymore, but like as they even as they get older, trying to push back and say, we don't really want them to spend that much time
2: on it. Right. And I think... We are seeing as educators more deficits coming from being on, in front of a screen and, like I said, the the social-emotional and in, the interaction um, and it, even, like you had pointed out, the respect piece of being able to respond to an adult when they speak to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do see less and less use of iPads in the school that I'm in. Oh, that's good. And, uh, of course, listening skills is, is something I guess you could teach
0: you could just keep teaching right that's a, that could be part of the curriculum yeah i yes.
1: work i work with adults who learn in a business context and we're teaching listening skills to adults so i don't think that ever ends <laughs>
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I know you have at least one grandparent who works in the classroom with you. And do you ever hear from other grandparents about how they feel about the new ways of parenting this whole idea of, you know, no, not very many consequences, sometimes even unparenting, where they just kind of let the kids rule the roost. I mean, I don't know how much time you have to talk with grandparents, but you must see some once in a while.
2: they almost relay a lack of understanding, you know, like, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I raised them, we did X, Y, and Z, and they're just not doing that now. And and I see that difference in their children, or I disagree with the way that they responded to a certain situation. Um, I do see some frustration from them in the understanding. But I also, on the flip side, have seen some more, oh, I I get it, I see that, I understand why they did that, Um, but not nearly as often as the other side of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's easy as a grandparent, I think, to be judgy about it, you know, because, you know, we're looking back and we're like, oh, it worked fine for us. You know, it's the whole idea of, The way grandparents say about everything, well, you know, yeah, we didn't have car seats and the kids are still alive, you know, that kind of thing. Right. (laughs) And you don't want to be that kind of grandparent. But at the same time, you know, you see that there may be consequences that are pretty long term for some of the things that are happening with your grandchildren. And so you kind of do get concerned about it. And it sounds like what you were saying earlier is that some of the parents don't really see the big deal. They're like, well, we'll just replace something or we'll just whatever. Yes. That must be frustrating.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, You know, things like we'll just replace it or, well, what happened that made my child react that way? Or who did something (laughs) to get them, you know, to evoke that behavior from them Um, where it may have been they actually instigated a consequence that naturally came back to them. That's interesting. I think the victim mentality is yeah. is probably
0: uh, not a great trend. So in this whole thing, Chrissy, I mean, how do you keep hope alive? I mean, when you have a hard year like this, and how do you feel good about the future preschoolers and beyond if, if this is what's <laughs> going on? I mean, are you finding yourself hopeless or what do you do? How do you talk yourself uh, there up? Were-
2: there were definitely dark days. (laughs) There were definitely days where I said, you know, why am I doing this? What can I do to make a change moving forward? And there were days that I said, do I really want to do this anymore? I think it's come down to more of a parent education piece for me and just taking those parents who who say, you know, how can I replace this or what can I do to fix this immediately mm-hmm. and educating them and saying, it's not about the things. I don't want you to replace the items. Mm-hmm. I want you to have a conversation with your child about why it's disrespectful or why it's not okay for them to act this way in the classroom and I want you to follow up at home too. You know, we can only do best for children when we're on the same page. So and they know we're on the same page. Mm. Um so making sure that things that are happening at school are also happening at home and vice versa. That's really been the biggest piece and then there is a mind shift that I've had to make about it is a different time. It is Mm -hmm. a different uh, societal situation where kids do have access to screens more often. And it is sometimes a babysitter when parents have to work from home or are busy. And whether I agree or disagree, that's what it is. And I have to then change my education, the, the education that's happening in my classroom to be that kind of guiding factor. So It's been a mind shift for me.
1: Chrissy, do you have any uh, particular suggestion or direction for grandparents, things that you'd like to see them do or be able to do or try to do or not do?
2: So I have to kind of defer back to my childhood and the things I remember uh, being with my grandparents. And it was just the um, real world experiences. (music) your grandchildren are with you having them cook or bake with you having them um, you know I remember hanging clothes out on the line to dry with my grandmother and the conversation we would have during that um, you know grocery shopping with her so I think it just comes back to when they're with you The things that they will remember are the time spent and the, the things that you taught them or the things that you said, you know, take the screens away while they're with you. Because I do think a lot of grandparents didn't have that growing up and didn't have that with their own children. So do what you know, and, you know, really spend that quality time talking with and doing things with those children.
0: Oh, I love that. That's that's really great, and and you're right. We have that to offer because we definitely weren't, we didn't bring our own children up with that. So, I mean, we didn't even have television with our kids, <laughs> so we were really <laughs> <Right>. backwards <laughs> for a long time. That was a choice. That, that was a choice, but that, that wasn't because
1: they hadn't invented it yet. It, <laughs> we're not that old. <laughs>
0: No, that's so true. You know, I what you're saying about parents, uh, you know, needing – you need parents to have your back, which is so interesting because I think teachers have always had the backs of parents. But it's sounding like that you're going to need that as, as going forward because that's not necessarily the way it is now. And uh, I hope right. you get that. I really do hope you get that. And And good luck on the rest of your year because I know it can get really long in the tooth when you've been together with these kiddos. But hopefully – your wonderful influence and the people who help you are really going to make a difference in these kids' lives. So thanks so much for joining us, Chrissy. It was great to talk with you, and I think it helps grandparents just, you know, like you said, do what they do best. This was such an informative episode. I'm glad we replayed it for our audience. One thing that she said more than once was how important it is to develop listening skills so in the next episode in anticipation that most of our grands will be back in school or will soon be we are going to talk to a guest who specializes in teaching listening skills should be good for us as we help our grands process the beginning of a new school year and also for them if we can somehow help them develop those skills along with us
1: How do you create a strong and enduring bond with your grandchildren? One way is to use the resources from More Than Grand, a marketing affiliate of The Grand Life.
0: Its founder, Dee, Dee Moore, has developed quite a range of useful resources, self-help style texts, workbooks that help you plan what to say and how to say it, activity guides, and even posters.
1: Dee invites you to become an MVG, a most valuable grandparent, using resources from morethangrand.com. If you use the coupon code GRANDLIFE, it'll save you 10% on your order.
0: Also, just a thank you and a reminder that we would appreciate so much if you could do a few things for us to help us continue this podcast. First, follow the podcast so you don't miss any episodes, just that little plus mark push follow. That helps us and you. And another thing is to join our Facebook page, the Grand Life Podcast, or the Grand Life Podcast fans page, And finally, anytime you can rate or review our podcast, it is such a help and encouragement to us as we continue to bring you content that we hope you'll like.
1: You can email us at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or call us and leave voicemail at 317-572-7876 if you have anything you'd like to hear about or know someone you'd like to hear on our podcast.
0: I'm Emily Morgan.
1: And I'm Mike Morgan.
0: And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand
2: Life i